0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! you ready for this? Hello and welcome to Face Off. In this podcast we'll be uh, discussing the victory over Bournemouth, uh, which turned into a 4-0 victory in the end, but it was quite an interesting game, especially in the first half. But I'll introduce my guest before we get into that. Uh, the Liverpool fan joining me is Sam Evans. How are you doing, Sam?
1: Really, really happy red at the moment, mate. Top of the league. Can't be any happier.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and the Bournemouth fan graciously joining us uh, is Mike Dunn. How are you doing, Mike?
2: Uh, all about bad weekends. I uh, we <laughs> lost four mil, so <laughs> wasn't good. I broke my phone as well this weekend, and uh, a few other things went awry. But um, yeah, hoping to, uh, as I said earlier, relive the misery this evening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but big thank you for follow- for joining us. I mean, some some people would drop out, but uh, uh, Mike, we will start with you because obviously. Um, the starting 11s obviously impacted the game hugely, and to much surprise to many fantasy Premier League players, Wilson was injured and wasn't playing. Obviously, you got the uh, big news that Lewis Cook is pretty much out for the rest of the season, if not longer. But uh, how how impactful is that on your starting 11? Because from an outside of them, too, would it be key players. Looking,
2: yeah, it's huge. Um, there was no whisper at all about Callum Wilson until the team news came out. I hadn't heard a thing, and. Uh, it sounds like he's just got a hamstring tweak and it was touch and go for yesterday's game. Hopefully, he'll be back next week against Wolves. Uh, but obviously, he's a big mess. He's been a star for us this season, leading scorer. Uh, he leads the line so well. And without him, we looked a little impotent yesterday. And Lewis Cook, he hasn't stood out as much this season as he did last season when he, he got into the England team. But we're pretty light in midfield now as well without him. And he's going to be going to be out, like you said, for, for for the rest of this season. He had his operation yesterday and pleased to say it was successful by all accounts. Um, and so that leaves us with just Lerma in midfield. Uh, Andrew Sermon came in, who has been a great servant to the club, but I think it's a little bit short of the quality we need in there. And uh, yeah, I can see Eddie being pretty busy in the January transfer window. Now we're looking a bit thin all over the pitch at the moment.
0: Yeah, would centre mid be one of the the first on the wish list in terms of transfers?
2: I think it'd be I think it'd be up there. Uh, we have got Dan Gosling, who you might remember might played for Everton. Mm. Um, he was injured as well. He would probably would have played ahead of Sermon had he been fit uh, yesterday, but he's been out for a few weeks. Uh, so yeah, I think that central midfield. And it will probably have a look at the defence because we've got no cover at right back at all. Simon Francis, V goes out, Eddie will be promoting somebody from from the youth team or something. Uh,
0: hmm. Is Adam he, Smith out for a long time as well. Yeah, exactly.
2: He can cover left and right back and he can play in midfield as well. So, yeah, we, we're going to have to definitely do some business and it, it will be forced upon us as opposed to having the luxury of choosing which areas we want to strengthen. So, um, yeah, I think central midfield will probably be probably top of the list uh, alongside some defensive cover.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, just another question on your, on your starting, uh, starting lineup. Obviously, um, Ryan Fraser started kind of as a number 10 or just playing off um, Josh King, I think it was. Um, it, it, I know it was probably unexpected that Milner was starting, obviously, Doc Sam in that in a sec, but would you expect a Fraser to possibly go back to his natural position? As soon as you saw it was Milner playing right back, because I think it's fair to say that would be the weakness in our starting eleven. Were you surprised he was starting as a ten? I was a little bit. Uh, the
2: team news I saw had Brooks playing in the number ten role. He's played there for Sheffield United, and that was what I expected to see. But as soon as the game kicked off, you could see that that Fraser was playing through the middle, um, which kind of dilutes his threat with his pace a little bit. And uh, well, Milner's got a lot of qualities, but I suspect mm. Fraser could outrun him. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so that did take something away from us Um, and like you say Eddie could have changed that at any time but he didn't Um, and well Brooks didn't get much change out of Milner and and Fraser didn't get much change out of your central defence so it didn't really work did it
0: yeah not really Um, but Sam uh, coming to you obviously we had a well just not a random but it it was a a much changed team from the one in midweek and well much more successful I think it's fair to say Um, but I mean, we've got to talk about the new look midfield. I know it wasn't really Cater playing as a central midfielder, but we finally got to see for being your and Kater on the pitch at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's it's mad how long it's taken to actually get to see the both of them together in tandem finally, and I, I think we we just saw the uh, the step up that they are from the usual midfield that we've got. You know, obviously there's a lot of work to be done still, and. I, I still think they've got a lot of improvement to be to to make you know but uh i think we re- we really did get to see what a difference it makes to have a guy like Kate in our midfield who can actually run with the ball i think we've really missed oxley chamberlain's contribution when it comes to just carrying the ball in midfield i think all the other guys do um do tend to struggle with that element of the game so with his um his running and fabinho's control in the midfield and um, you know progressive passing I think it was a, a real breath of uh, fresh air for the Reds
0: yeah yeah absolutely I mean we've been on many podcasts this season haven't we Sam and I think we've been calling it from day one that we need to see the yeah. two new lads but one uh, of the old lads I mean firstly I'll ask you do were you expect Fabinho to start at right back and secondly were you what did you think just on paper in terms of Milner playing right back
1: that's exactly what I thought when I when I saw the lineup. My first instinct was, "Ah, oh, he's playing Fabinho right back," because um, I just didn't think in a million years I didn't even consider Milner being a, a playing right back. But you know, I should have thought really because he is uh, the ultimate kind of utility player for us, and he he's someone that's always willing to step up and and do a job for us. And you he never hear a bad word said about the guy. So um, I was. A bit kind of disappointed when I first thought that Fabinho was going to be right back because I really wanted him in midfield. So really, really happy then to um, to see him playing there. And you know, I think Milner did a decent job as well. You know, I, I totally agree. I, I thought maybe they'd try and target Milner, uh, especially with the you know the joy that Fraser's had against us in the past. So I was really relieved to see that happen. And uh, you know, it I think that might have been a mistake for on Bowman's part.
0: Yeah, I think as when we go through the uh, match incidents, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk a bit about Milner later on, I think it's fair to say, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll actually get another game now, and then Sam, I'll start with you, I mean, it wasn't that eventful until the first goal, but I mean, what what did you make at the start of the game, because we seem to have a lot of the ball, but not too much fret.
1: Yeah, I, I thought we had, you know, decent control of the game, I... I'm always a bit wary when we go to Bournemouth. They're a really dangerous side, and I think we've been a bit lucky with um, the injury problems Bournemouth have had. You know, obviously, any team will struggle if they're they're missing their top striker. So uh, that was a bit of a leg up for us, and I think that did blunt Bournemouth a little bit. So I thought we had a good, solid start, but as you said, no real cutting edge from the beginning. So, you know, it did take a stroke of luck and a bit of an opportunist effort from uh, Firmino to actually break the deadlock.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, Mike, what, what did you make of the start? I mean, we Liverpool had quite a lot of the ball, but it, it just seemed like a perfect opportunity for um, Bournemouth to play counter-attack in football.
2: Yeah, I think that was the plan. And you were definitely in charge, but we were keeping you at bay and looking to looking to break out. And score or at least create some chances like that, but we didn't really get anything clean clear cut and until you scored, and we didn't get much after that I and mean, there was there was one chance I think David Brooks mm-hmm. had a shot at the near post um It was a difficult chance because he couldn't really put anywhere else because he had to react quite quickly and he was at an angle, but apart from that, we didn't create much and and then um <laughs> the house kind of fell down once she scored.
0: Yeah, just just a wee bit, but uh, um, Sam, we might as well come at the first goal because I mean the, the first half wasn't too eventful, as I said, but it was offside. I think we will both agree on that. But um, good good interplay by Firmino and um, Salah, which we've probably been missing a bit this season.
1: Yes, we we did have a few of those during this game. A nice little one twos, mm. and it was. Uh, Real positive signs that we're starting to to gel. Um, You know, got to admit, definitely offside. Very marginal, though. I think it's one of those tough ones where uh, Salah held his line quite well and ran kind of horizontally while one of the Bournemouth defenders kind of dropped back just after the pass. So I, I can understand why the linesman didn't quite get it right. It is a difficult one. And you know, I think we we all know VAR will be there by next year, and those type of things will be chalked off. But I think we've had plenty of bad luck last season, and you know, you just got to grab it when you get the bit of fortune. And I do think you have to feel for Bournemouth because I thought, you know, they they didn't really deserve to be one nil down at that point. I thought they played quite well, and and they did show an element of potential on the attack. Uh, you know, as Mike said there about Brooks, obviously I'm a fan of him as a, as a Welshman. I think he's really talented guy um, and he, he did really well to get that snapshot away and uh, Alison did well to save. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it, it was definitely offside, but at this moment in time, I feel like we're just in a good rhythm and we're just getting the rub of the green in addition to us already having all of this confidence. So I just think we need to when it does happen, grab it with both hands. Let's not complain about it and, uh, you know, move on to the next game.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Mike, from your point of view, uh, as we said, offside definitely, but, I mean, it, it's got to be a mistake by Begovic as well, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was offside, um, and you can see that when they show the, the still shot and the line going across the pitch. I wouldn't fancy being the linesman trying to call those, Was you know, play with his pace. Um, and those things, I always think, I mean, VAR is meant to iron this out. But what goes around comes around and we'll have times this season, I'm sure, when when we'll get a bit of luck and hopefully we'll have enough luck to, you know, keep us well out of trouble. Um, yeah. And then Begovic, he pushed it straight out into Salah's path. And it's easy to criticise a goalkeeper there and he probably would be hard on himself about it. But it was a wet and windy day. You know, conditions mm-hmm. weren't great. Not a, not an enjoyable day for a goalkeeper because there's always the possibility of a rick Uh and it wasn't a howler. He just I mean, he he made the initial save, he couldn't hold it and unfortunately he didn't push it out to the side, he just went straight into Salah's path, and then for a player of his quality that, that was an easy chance. And then I mean, I know a lot of strikers do this, but you could immediately see him glance up at the linesman to see if the flag was up and yeah. then I noticed yesterday on each of the goals he scored, I don't know if you've got any uh any information on this. There was no um, happy celebration. It was, he was very stony faced. He didn't really do a great deal. Even on the hat trick goal, he just kind of trotted over to the fans, didn't look that, that pumped up. Is he, is he had some problems that, you know, that most of the fans of other clubs wouldn't know about? Or is he just, just uh, just trying to build his goals and he won't be happy until he gets to 40?
0: Um, he kind of did that last season, didn't he, Sam? He kind of did the no look celebration as a thing. I think the second one is probably because he got stood on and he was still a bit seething a smidge. But he, he he did. I think this was not a criticism, but it was something people pointed out in in previous games. I mean, Sam. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But what what do you think about the no celebration thing? Do you think it's just like Balotelli stuff, where it's just a bit bit of fun, or what?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. We we had a chat about this on the um, Nina Couser show after the game and we were trying to establish what it is. You know, obviously it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, as long as he's doing the business, that's, that is all that matters. But, you know, I was thinking maybe it's something to do with him. He's just in the zone at the moment. He He's, uh, what I was saying on the Nina Couser show was um, he's got this absolutely massive game against Napoli coming up and I just thought, He's someone now on the big stage, really wants to be in the Champions League and on Tuesday is the biggest game of the season for him. So I don't know whether he's just in the zone and just not letting himself have a minute to actually enjoy anything and is just wanting to be, you know, in the zone and an absolute machine. And I don't know, It it is unusual, but I don't think it has any kind of bearing on anything and I don't think he means he's unhappy. You know, we've seen him after the game he was all smiles and everything, I think it was just, he, he just goes into another world sometimes during the game, doesn't he, and uh, mm. yeah, I wouldn't worry about
2: it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's the best way of putting it, um, but just to just to kind of develop on the goalkeeper situation at, at Bournemouth, I mean, you obviously had Boric, who was a bit of a mad kid, it, as, as Begovic came in and kind of settled it down, I'm not, I'm not sure how fans rate him and stuff I'm not I think this you're the first Bournemouth fan I've ever followed on Twitter if I'm honest but he, he seems to be he's he's always been one I've kind of rated as one of the best of the rest is he proven that at Bournemouth
2: Yeah I think he's been been underrated actually including by the Bournemouth fans I think he's been excellent since he's come in I mean it's a you you're in a very exposed position as a goalkeeper as you know any mistake and uh Alisson had that one at the start of the season where he tried to do a little trick and got mm. caught out um and you know it's all over the TV everyone's on your back and he's, he's made very few and most of the time he's been composed, commanding and reliable and yeah, I mean, there's no way his, his, his place will be under threat anytime soon. I mean, just on Boris, I thought he was excellent for us as well. Um, he may not have been quite as reliable as Begovic has been. Begovic is really steady and Boris did have one or two games where he did make a mess of things, but most of the time he was excellent and, and mm. he's... His shot stopping was fantastic, and I actually thought he was unlucky to lose his place to Begovic. But once Begovic got in the team and had a run of games, I could see why Eddie put him in.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, Sam, I haven't got this in the agenda, but I think we do have to talk about our goalkeeper. Even um, in even in the burn the Burnley game, huge huge performance there with that save. But in this game again, I mean, it's just all summed up by that huge header, isn't it?
1: He's a magnificent bastard, isn't he? He's so
0: good. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: It's it's so nice having a goalie of this standard. You know, I, I can't remember ever having one this good, to be honest with you. Um, probably the best one we've had in my time supporting the Reds has been Pepe Reina. And, you know, even yeah. he ended up d- declining a bit at the end. But uh, he, he's just so good. You know, that that shot from Brooks was actually a really tricky one because he hit it so early. And... You know, Allison just did the the standard, block it, knock it out for a corner, straightforward. You know, everything he does, it's, it's not only that he's a good shot stopper, but he just suits this team so well as well. And that's what I like so much about him. You know, he's always alive. He's always waiting to get us on the counter attack. He, he's got good feet, so he's always an out ball for us. You know, that was always a problem with Mignolet, where the back four, when they got into a bit of trouble... They'd end up not putting a pass in dominally because they they were worried about his distribution. So they just kind of kick it out of play or make a bad decision. No, he, he's just part of 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 the build up, which is you know unbelievable really. Um, and yeah, with with Begovic, I think he's he's doing a good job as well. I think it, it would be a bit harsh to criticize him too much for that first goal. Um, if you watch the replay, he was unsighted for the start of the Firmino shot and it kind of swerved around one of the defenders and it did that classic bounce just before the goalkeeper thing which is just so so hard to deal with so I think it was it would have been really tricky for him to be able to parry it away from goal to either side because of that swerve and uh, the, the bounce just before him so um, but yeah you know back back to Alisson himself mate I'm, I'm thinking he, if he keeps this up he, he's going to be possibly our most important player, because he is unbelievable at the moment, and he is setting that foundation in order for us to be able to have this amazing run, and he is one of the major, major factors, um, along with Van Dijk, obviously, for why we've only conceded the six goals in 16 games this season, which is bloody incredible, really, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And the pink kit makes him just seem better. <laughs> oh, that's my... It that's just makes him look do better. Say, they do say, don't they, that
1: um, kind of a fluorescent kit, they, they were doing research into it before and they seem to think that in in the peripheral vision of a, of a striker, they can just see this massive fluorescent thing coming towards them and it's kind of off-putting. So, you know, even if it's like a half a percent of a difference, it, it's something that I, I'm, I'm backing. So, bring on the crazy bright uh, goalkeeper shirts if we keep having
0: these results. All all the 90s kits, the better, in my opinion. (laughs) But we'll get back to the game and, uh, Mike, coming back to you, I mean, after Liverpool scored it seemed to be Bournemouth getting a bit more of a footing in the game. Do you think that was from your improvement or from uh, Liverpool's sloppiness? Because I think it's fair to say we did get a bit sloppy, but did did you see an improvement in your play?
2: A little bit, yeah, because it was 1-0 and it was coming up to half-time, and I think we felt the players felt that it wasn't necessarily justified the scoreline, and so they reacted to that, and maybe there was a bit more energy in their play. Um, but I didn't think we looked that superior for any part of that period of the game at all. I think we we had a little flurry where we maybe we were getting to your half a bit more, but there wasn't a great deal of um, punch around your area at all, and um, yeah, it didn't really uh, didn't really have the impact. Uh, obviously, if we'd have scored before half-time, gone in at one all. then that would have made a massive difference to the game. But it didn't uh, reap any reward, and and then half-time came, and before we knew it, we were two down.
0: Is that is that lack of punch a concern in the squad without Callum Wilson then? Because obviously, I think this is the first time you've been without him this season. Is that somewhat of a surprise concerning the amount of uh, forward-ish options you have on, on, in, in, on the bench and stuff?
2: Um, it's not a massive concern at the moment. Um, and it looks like Callum's going to be coming back. It's not a serious injury, like I said. He should be back next week, hopefully. Um, Josh King had a very successful season a couple mm. of seasons ago when Wilson was recovering from one of his ACLs and he led the line mostly on his own, like he did yesterday. And so when the team news was announced, obviously a bit deflated, Wilson was missing, but then recalled how well King played in that position as the. Central out and out striker, and that's the position he wants to play, but he can't just have it to himself when Wilson's in the team. Um, and I guess he didn't really pose a great threat <laughs> yesterday. But, you know, we're up against an excellent team, and you've mm. got an excellent defence. I mean, Van Dyke's an outstanding central defender, and it was just so difficult for King. And he, isn't, he hasn't been in great form this season. He's done all right. He's scored about five goals, which, you know, it's not to be sniffed at. Um, but he. He probably would need a run of games playing in that role up front on his own to really get back to the form that he was in previously. Uh, It's it's a concern in as much as then we've got Lise Mousset, who came on towards the end of the game, who has not really established himself in the team, but comes off the bench quite often, doesn't score very often. And then we've got Jermaine Defoe, who when we signed him at the start of last season, there was... You know, a lot of very positive reaction from the fans. Because we thought, well, he's good for 12 goals a season, surely, because he's scored so regularly in his career. But he has scored some cracking goals for us, but there's been very few of them. He's scored about eight goals in, 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 in the past season and a half. And him coming on now, the fans aren't thinking, oh, well, Defoe's coming on, there's going to be a goal here, because it just hasn't happened. And we haven't played to his strengths, really. And he's lost some of that pace he used to have. So, were we to lose Wilson long term again, it would be a big concern. Unless King could refine his form, at the moment it's not a massive worry.
0: Yeah, I mean, just 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 uh, hypothetical. Would you rather use full Musay or uh, Jermaine Defoe's? Well, used to be safe, safe pair of boots.
2: Um, I think I'd like to see Musay. I'd like to see more of him and see what he could do because he is a threat. He's a little bit of a headless chicken now. I don't even think sometimes he knows what he's going to do next. <laughs> um but that can you know that can go both ways. If it if it if it works then it's a huge surprise to the opposition as well. Um, but obviously if it doesn't then it's just kind of liability. Uh, Defoe hasn't really looked anything like the player he used to be, even at Sunderland, you know, he just he just isn't the goal threat that he was. Um, so if if I was picking the team now and I had to pick between those two I'd I'd pick Moussa Although with, with with a little reservation.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I might I might as well ask this here because I tend to ask about former Reds when uh, when when got have got guests on. I mean, it, how's Jordan I do? I know he's not, probably not lived up to the fifteen million pound you paid, but have you seen a development at all? I know he's, he's had sparing minutes this season.
2: No, unfortunately not. Um, it was his birthday yesterday. I don't know if you knew that. I was hoping he was going to come on and score and score the winner against his old club. None of that happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, no, it, It's he's been a massive frustration to Bournemouth fans. He hasn't developed at all, um, really want him to do well, but he has had numerous chances. Like Eddie has given him long runs in the team and he just hasn't made the most of it. it has been big problems with his decision-making, hanging onto the ball for too long and losing it frequently when he's tried to do too much over and over and over again. And you know, It's the kind of thing that gets fans tearing their hair up when it just keeps happening game in game out and he's lost his place this season lost it to brooks from 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 the word go brooks has come in and made that position his own really and kind of shown i how to do it um Mm. and he's a few goals as well so uh, we paid 15 million for him i don't know what he'd be worth now he wouldn't be worth that and you know much as i'd like to see him do well it wouldn't break my heart if he went somewhere else um and we didn't have to worry about him anymore, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably what I expected from from the little bit I've seen of him uh, since he's gone there. But Sam, uh, back to the game. I mean, I mentioned that sloppiness. Um, I think it was we mentioned that header, but that did come from Milner. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. But uh, we did seem to go off the boil a smidge after we scored. Do you think that was just, uh, I don't know, a couple games in a few days? Do you think it was just maybe thinking it's a bit of an easy challenge or anything what, what do you think it was do you think it was just random events in the game <laughs> or am i thinking too much
1: it's, it's dangerous to think too much guy um, always is no I, <laughs> no I think uh i think gotta give credit to bournemouth i think they they upped their game and possibly had their their best kind of spell in the match after we scored and i i was you know watching the game with a bit of anxiety at that point because uh you know, I've got some bad memories uh, at that ground where you know don't need Bones to go them. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it's you know Bournemouth are a, a really nice club. I think they're they're a good footballing team, and when they click, they can be a really tough team to play against. So you know, fair play to them when they went one 0 They didn't let that bit of misfortune kind of um, put them off and and, and dishearten them too much, and they did try and get back into the game. So you know, it, I. I Random events. I'm not so sure about that. I think it's just give a bit of credit to Bournemouth and they they did up their game for you know 15 minutes or so, but uh, you know after that point I think Liverpool kind of composed themselves, um, saw their way out into um, into half time really.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. But uh, Sam, I'll stick with you, cos well, I mean straight away after half time we do pretty much cancel out any sloppiness or or Bournemouth improvement when we score straight away. I mean. It's just brilliant by Salah, isn't
1: it? Yes, and and also I just wanted to point out the the role that Firmino played in that goal as well. I think there's a lot of people have been saying he's been struggling this season, but it was actually a fantastic first touch, uh, just to knock it past the um, Bournemouth player. I which one it was, and a lovely little through ball then to Salah to let him to set him off. You know, but my favourite part about the, the Salah finish was how he got kicked in well it's like in the Achilles wasn't it by Cook Uh, Mm. Cook just tried to take him down basically and it's exactly what I would have done I'd have just hacked the guy because you knew you were never going to catch him and he's fair play to him you know you get a lot of these uh, players these days getting a lot of criticism for diving and you know you couldn't have blamed him for going down there because he genuinely got kicked but his eyes were on that goal he wants the goal himself and fair play to him he, he still had a lot of work to do after that. He had Aki running at him, and he did the old classic, wait till the defender sticks a leg out to try and block it and, and nutmeg the guy. And again, a little tiny deflection. I don't know whether it would have gone in anyway, but a little deflection as well, just assisting us to make sure it nestled right in the bottom corner. And I just think that was real kind of classic Salah where he's just teams are worrying about that pace because it it's so, so dangerous on the counter-attack and that you know, that goal came from nicking the ball off, the, off Bournemouth and then, you know, you could just see Salah's eyes lit up.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Mike, from a Bournemouth point of view, obviously uh, Sam mentioned Steve Cook there and I, I've, put it, I've put it in the agenda. Uh, you mentioned Francis kind of being a divisive player on, on the preview. Is Steve Cook uh, similarly viewed or is he more... Beloved than than the team captain because he did have a bit of a stinker yesterday.
2: He had a nightmare yesterday. Um, that was his worst game. I think I can remember him having for us, and I then learned after the game that his young son was the mascot yesterday as well. So. Oh gosh, <laughs> <It was laughs> that's horrendous! <laughs> experience all round for the Cook family. Um, and yeah, no, he, if if Simon Francis hadn't made those errors, he, he'd be like you'd be able to hear the outrage from the Bournemouth fans from where you are still. Um, He'd have got a a hail of pelters and it'd still be going on. Steve Cook's got a bit more in the bank. uh, And if he was to go on and play like that regularly, then I think, you know, he'd he'd be getting a similar treatment. But at the moment, it's just seen as a bad day at at the office. And um, yeah, for that goal, he gave the ball away uh, in the midfield. And I said to my son immediately, as soon as he I said, oh, that was sloppy from Cook. And in the blink of an eye, Salah was just through outpacing. Cook was trying to chase him down. And as Sam said, kicked out at him. Uh, and like just echo that, you know, he didn't, he didn't go down. He did the decent thing and stayed on his feet. Um, and it did hit Aki on the way through. I don't know either if it would have helped Begovic if it hadn't done, but it went in the net and 2-0. And you both alluded to the the famous and much-cherished. victory we had here uh, two or three seasons ago. Um, You were 2-0 up in that game as well. But, you know, the way you play now, going down 2-0, you don't seem to slip up anymore in those types of situations. And I thought that's it. You know, whatever happens, we're not going to come back from this. And and so it proved, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is centre-back... A position that may need rejuvenating a bit. I mean, we mentioned the January wind up, but maybe a bit more long-term viewing. Obviously, you've got Aki, who you got on loan first. Do you think there's possibly a need for another young, young centre-back that can be worked in to replace you, Cook? Or has he still got enough in the, in the tank, you think?
2: Eddie trusts Cook, and I don't think he'll try and make a signing to replace him. He might make some, make a signing to give him a bit of backup. We've got a young, academy player who's coming through jack simpson who's just been given a new long contract so i suspect eddie sees him as the as the third choice as it were Ake, ake has been really good um perhaps not as good this season as last but still our best defender possibly our best player and i don't think that eddie will be looking to remove either of those from the team Unless Cook can, <laughs> goes on now to have a bad run of form, but I can't see, it. and and much like with Francis, Eddie knows where he is and trusts them, and they have performed for him over a long period, so I think at the moment is 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 placing teams secure
0: not that's fair enough um but before we get onto the the third goal uh, we get a few substitutions i mean sam uh, we t- i think we bring on lalana don't we um i can't remember the other one but we, we it, i think it's just looking forward to napoli isn't it do you think it it was the right game state to just bring off a couple of the possibly more minutes in uh, more more played players and then we can think about napoli
1: yeah, Marnie came on as well, didn't he? Ah, that's it, yeah. Um, um, yeah, because with Marnie, I was a bit like, ah, oh, because he'd had that knock recently, and I wasn't hundred percent sure on his fitness. I, I, was happy to just keep him on the bench, but I suppose it, it was probably a good idea just to give him what? What did he get? 20, 20 30 minutes at and the he end. Came on the sixty fifth, yeah. Yeah. So you know, it gave him a bit of time then, just to you know, get himself get his foot back in ready for the Napoli game. Um Lallana, I actually thought he'd had one of his better performances for Liverpool in quite a while, you know, nothing mm. spectacular at all. Um but, you know, he kept the ball really well. He harried. He won the ball back a couple of times. And, you know, we we're, we're gonna get on to the goal, uh the, the fourth goal later as well, but he also sort of chipped in with an assist. So um you know I think the I think it was yeah, it was only two nil, wasn't it? Yeah, when the subs came on. Yeah. So um it, Obviously, you have to say it was a successful couple of substitutions.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and bomb. I think they bring on Mousse as well. But uh, we'll start with the third goal. I mean, again, it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare from from Cook. But uh, Mike, I mean, you mentioned a two nil. You thought the game was over, but was three nil. I don't. I don't want to say embarrassing, but do you think it was damage limitations? Well, before that point and beyond that point.
2: Yeah, definitely by then I was thinking we need to keep the score down. We don't want it running away at like 5-6 or something like that because you just seem to have got complete grip on the game. And I was worried you could just score at will. And I was a bit worried that our players' heads would go down. And there have been. there's a, quite a lot of um, the usual hysteria on Twitter after the game from some of the Bournemouth fans, not myself, about how the team would underperform, they hadn't tried, all this nonsense. I think they just were outclassed and out, um, out-thought in the second half in particular. And obviously, as we've already discussed, we didn't really have our A-team out there, a couple of important players missing. Uh, so, yeah, once it got to 3-0, just thought, let's just make sure we don't absolutely collapse here. And probably... <laughs> Three 0 would have been enough from my point of view. Certainly, <laughs> uh, I wasn't. I wasn't hoping to see any more goals. I thought four might have been a little harsh on us. Uh, three was probably fair. Not. That it makes a massive difference. But um, yeah, and poor old Steve Cook, and he was. He had a hand in the in the fourth goal as well. So that one, the own goal, it was one of those ones where if he'd scored it at the other end of the pitch, it'd be you know a contender for goal of the month or something. But we had a another spectacular own goal. In our previous home game against Arsenal as well, where Jefferson Lamar just cracked it in oh, for yes, yeah. yards when he was trying to clear it. So that's two home games in a row. Really, well, spectacular and unpleasant home goals. And Steve Cook's day just went from bad to worse, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I feel bad now that you've told me his kid was a mascot. Oh, that's horrendous. Oh, no. <laughs> oh dear. But some, I mean, uh, we work it de- uh, well down the left, and I thought Robbo had a good game overall, but I thought he had a quiet first half. But I mean, this was probably his best uh, or second best cross because there was one in the first half that troubled Bekovic But he he definitely got better in the second half. I thought,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Robbo had that cross in the first half, which was probably our first chance of the game, um, where I think it was Shakiri played like a cross field pass and Robbo just kind of Mm. volleyed it first time across it was a beautiful ball into the box and Salah nearly got on the end of it and then for this uh, third goal um, the the ball kind of dropped to Firmino on the far right and he took a lovely little touch inside the uh, Bournemouth player and played a lovely little through ball to to Salah down the right and then Salah played like a a crossfielder to Robbo then who knocked it back to Fabinho and then we got to see that the quality of Fabiño. Then he just kind of carried it forward and slotted it through to Robo, who then put, you know, a lovely ball into the middle. And you just had to feel for Cook again. It's another one of those goals where you've got to have Benny Hill music running in the background. I just feel so sorry for the guy. Um, it, it was kind of Burkamp-esque in the, the the turn that he did. Uh, but the problem was, it was going into his own net. And, I think uh, it was more Colo esque, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> more Jimmy Troore esque. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Burnley uh, own goal with the pirouette. Um, yeah, it, it felt really sorry for him. I think it came off like his calf, didn't it? Um, and just nestled into the bottom corner. And at that point, I just thought, you know, even though we were the better side and we did deserve to win on the day, if I was a Bournemouth fan, I'd be looking at it going, First goal, he's offside. Second goal is a bit of a deflection. Uh, You you don't know whether it would have still gone in. And then third goal, we've we've smashed it into our own goal uh, for the second game running. So you just, sometimes in football, you just feel like you're just not getting the rub of the green. And I, I did feel for Bournemouth at that point because, you know, without those... At, the, at this level of football, such fine margins sometimes can be the difference. And you know, four 0 at the end it could, really could, you know, it could have been a lot, lot less, and it could have been a lot tighter. So, couldn't help but feel sorry for them. But that that goal did have a lot of quality in it, to be fair. And I think it was just a case of putting it into the correct areas. And you, you know, you never know what's going to come of it. Then.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'll, I'll stick with you for the for the fourth goal, Sam it's just it's just lovely composure isn't it from Salah i mean it's a magic it's a magical goal i mean he sat, i think he dribbled past the goalkeeper twice which is just 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 damn weird yeah it was a lovely bit of play actually again
1: um lalana just kind of picked it up in midfield and just first time knocked it over the top i think he just saw there was a lot of space in behind so he just thought oh, I might as well back
0: uh, back Salah. And I think gosh, it's his gosh, first assist in years, if I remember, if, I, if I'm he, remembering correctly. Yeah, it, it feels like it, mate. But um, <laughs> it, was, it
1: was it was Cook again, wasn't it? That he knocked on his ass. Um, I, think goes, so. I think he went shoulder to shoulder with Cook. He did, yeah. Um, and he put him on his ass. And I, he, again, Bournemouth might say, "Oh, he got a nudge or whatever," but I think it was kind of shoulder to shoulder, and knocked him over. You know what that Salah goal reminded me of? It wasn't obviously identical or anything, but because it was a hat trick, it reminded me a bit of Torres's first hat trick for Liverpool uh, against Reading back. What? Well, when are we talking? Oh, 0- 07, 07. Eh? oh um, uh And he went clean through on goal, one on one against the goalie, and he did about three dummies and then took it around the keeper and put it in. And it was just a similar kind of thing in the fact that. You had no doubt he was going to put it in. He had so much confidence, and he just thought, "Well, I've gone around him. Keepers come back. Let's just dumb him again and put him on his ass again." He was just so confident that he was going to set it away, and it's that's why it reminded me of the Torres thing because that's when Torres finally kind of clicked for Liverpool, and I thought he has landed, and I think it's a similar thing for Salah now. He has he has landed this season. Now he's finally hitting his peak. And we couldn't have timed it any better with the Napoli game coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll I'll, cut, I'll finish with the Napoli game with you, but uh, Mike. I mean, I won't ask you on the goal. <laughs> I want you to relive that. But um, on onwards from this game, it, it, did you just put it down as one of them days? Because I, I have seen you in games against the big teams as well. You've been much more competitive. Do you think it was just a, a game compounded by injuries and just an off day all round?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably. Fair summary of what happened. We were competitive against Arsenal, United. We were better than we were yesterday against City when we lost 3-1 up there. Yesterday wasn't a great performance. We have beaten some of the bigger teams, yourselves included. Although, you know, those wins are few and far between. And as I said in the preview show, sometimes you kind of just clinging on at the end like it's a cup tie and you've got a couple of goals and somehow you manage to get to the whistle. Um, but we were nowhere near our best yesterday, and certainly there was issues with the team selection, as we've discussed. The tactics, perhaps, weren't as effective as they might have been, which is unusual. Um, Eddie usually gets it right, but they're not going to get it right all the time, unfortunately. Um, We've got a couple of games coming up now. Wolves next weekend, who seem to have hit a bit of form after a little blip, and then we've got Brighton at home after that. Um, we're in a good position already. We've got 23 points, but we've lost five out of the last six games now. And despite most of those games being against teams that are above us, it still flattens the mood somewhat in the camp. So we could do with winning at least one of those games, put us on 26 points and mm. well, can't complain at Christmas having 26 points for a club of our size. Because then we've got Tottenham and United just after Christmas. So uh, we totally could do with, <laughs> to do with at least one more win. Before, hey, United's before...
0: a Europa League match nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, but what, what is the aim for Bournemouth? Is it is it the European spot then? Or just I think that's, top I think ten? That's the, um, yeah,
2: I think the next aim is to... Well, the aim is always to do better than, than the previous season or better than we've done before. Our best finish has been has been ninth in the Premier League two seasons ago. So they'd be looking to better that, better the points total, all that kind of thing. And then once you do get up above ninth, you kind of are looking at the European places because usually it goes down to seventh place. Um, And the Cups as well. I think fans have been hoping that this year Eddie would pick stronger teams in the Cups on the basis that we wouldn't have to worry so much Mm. about staying in the Premier League but now, with the injuries that have come along, I think maybe we're going to see a weakened team in the third round of the Cup. And obviously, there's loads of games before that. So, there'll be resting players. We've got Chelsea coming up in the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup uh, week after next. And they've just come into some form beating City. So, I think, yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to perhaps have quite the, uh, the crack at the Cups that, that the fans would hope. You never know. But I think that he's going to probably want to steady the ship in the league. And see, and see how far that gets us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I do hope Bournemouth do well, because I think, I think it the one of the teams that's everyone's second club, because they play quite nice football. <laughs> but, uh, Sam, before we finish up, I mean, we've got a huge week ahead, uh, Napoli's, uh, tomorrow, so it won't have much relevance, but then we've got United at the weekend. Is there anything from this Bournemouth game that you'd like to see carried over? And I am looking at the midfield here specifically.
1: I'd, I'd obviously definitely like to see Fabinho and Keita uh, together again for the, the Napoli match. I just don't know whether he will. Um, obviously a lot of it depends on the sports science and uh, minutes and everything and whether they're, they're happy for, uh, you know, the same boys to go again on Tuesday after playing on Saturday. Uh, but as long as the, the sports science and everything's fine and they can start then that's definitely something I'd want to carry over to the Napoli game. I think we've seen the difference that it makes and we we have to score goals in this game against Napoli. There's no two ways about it. So I think we've seen, you know, Fabinho's effect uh, with the forward passing and getting Robbo away down the left is is, is really important. And Cater's running with the ball as well. So, That's definitely something that I really want to see. Um, And then, you know, hopefully the the, the following week then we can do Bournemouth a favour, Smash Man United,
0: and they can pass them in the league again. (laughs) I love it. I love it. We'll finish up there, but uh, we'll come to plugs as well. Uh, Sam, anything you want to plug? Uh,
1: As I mentioned earlier, we we did the uh, live podcast, the Nina Couser show, again, straight after the Bournemouth game. So, Uh, If you want to give that a listen, it was really good fun and everyone was in a great mood, as you'd expect. Uh, And if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Evans.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. I mean, you've heard enough of Sam because he's like on every third podcast of mine, but do follow him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Mike, anything you want to plug?
2: Well, there's my book. I wrote a book that came out in May. Um, It's about Harry Redknapp and his time at Bournemouth as manager. Um, he's in the spotlight at the moment In fact, as we speak I'm hoping he's going to win I'm a Celebrity tonight And my book sales are going to go through the roof So that's called Dean Court Days Harry Redknapp at AFC Bournemouth And it's available at Amazon And all other retailers um, And apart from that I just want to say good luck to Liverpool Uh We play you again in February Obviously we'll be looking to, to get something out of that game But that game aside I hope you go on and win the league this year I think <laughs> that it's nice to see you win it Uh You were the dominant team When I was growing up in the 1980s Haven't really dominated since, and City have, well, they've had a few league titles recently. Liverpool haven't had any, so um, yeah, I'd certainly uh, pick you over them this year. So good luck.
0: Thank you. I hope you get in the Europa League or or even further if something mad happens, or even get a League Cup, as you mentioned. But uh, thanks for that, Mike, and thanks for joining me, Sam, as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for
2: this? Sports Social Podcast Network.